Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast which once again this week has proven that we bring in the news before it becomes news as well as insight and analysis into the subjects you're talking about in football. I mean, McGarry with me is Duncan Castles, who, of course, is the man, the journalist, the man who told you first that Gianluigi Donnarumma, the Italian international, would be joining Paris Saint-Germain around six weeks ago on this pod. And of course, that was confirmed this week. Today's pod will bring you news on Real Madrid, on Manchester United, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, as well as some other roundups of things that are going on around football, both here in England, but also in Europe. Duncan, um, let's just start quickly with Donnarumma, uh, because as I said, you broke that story and um, it's one which you know many people have now followed up. Uh, it is one of the biggest transfers of the summer window, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you're looking at someone who just won the European Championship, voted uh, player of the tournament by UEFA's technical committee. I think some people could argue about it, but there's no doubt he had a fantastic um, tournament for Italy and no doubt that he's one of the top goalkeepers in European football, signing him at a young age. Um, a big transaction in terms of the salary that uh, he was looking for uh, via his agent. Um, the almost omnipresent Mino Raiola. Um, Milan took a big decision to allow him to leave. Uh, we we said that actually they did a, a pretty clever deal in, in, in taking Mike Mignon from Lille um, on a fraction of the salary that Donnarumma was looking for uh, to stay at Milan as a replacement. Um, a player that Manchester United had had talks about um, as they look to solve their goalkeeping situation. Um, no clear number one at Manchester United anymore after what happened last season um, with David De Gea displaced by Dean Henderson, but then regaining the the first choice position for Europa League final. Um, and one, I think, and we always like to look at the ramifications of transfers and Donnarumma, on the surface, you say, well, there's Paris Saint-Germain, there's Qatar uh, throwing their financial might around to take one of the top young goalkeepers in Europe ahead of all the competition. What a great signing. Actually, something we told you about in that very first podcast when we, we broke the news that he'd agreed to join Paris Saint-Germain is that the move has been badly received by many of his teammates at PSG who feel that in Keylor Navas they have a good goalkeeper, uh, someone they trust and like, and they feel that Donnarumma was a, well, not a bad signing, not a signing that should have been prioritised and that the money that's gone towards that deal should have gone to other areas of the team. They don't want to see Keylor Navas displaced as, as first choice. 
there's been a discussion. Again, somebody reported on that first podcast that maybe they loaned Donnarumma for the first season in order to allow Navas to carry on as, as first choice goalkeeper. That's obviously something Donnarumma and um, the pizza man don't want. Um, but one of the players who would like to see Navas stay uh, is Kylian Mbappe, who is the, the player that is probably the biggest transfer issue for PSG because Real Madrid want to sign him, putting all their efforts into acquiring him. He is unhappy, again, something we've reported on the podcast with the sports direction at PSG under Leonardo. Um, so there's, the story doesn't end with the deal being completed and um, I think the success of the deal will probably have to be partly judged in, in terms of what happens with Mbappe. Um, and, and that's something that uh, actually links into our first story of, of this podcast. Indeed it does, although I am told that Donnarumma's um, preference, should he go on loan, is to go to Tanadici and join Dundee United for the season, uh, which would be an interesting one, uh, especially with the big derby coming up, Duncan, early on in the season. Well, we uh, said he was a man of taste and discretion. <laughs> well, he's, I'm not sure that his choice of agent would justify that, but anyway, uh, possibly taste, not discretion. Um, Rafael Varane is causing a lot of headlines obviously uh, we've spoken about him in the pod obviously uh, quite frequently regarding his future uh, Real Madrid have already lost their captain and talisman Sergio Ramos again to PSG uh, with regards to him leaving the Santiago Bernabeu uh, we understand that Carlo Ancelotti is uh, quite concerned by the idea of losing both of his first choice centre backs to Despite the recruitment of uh, a new uh, centre-back stroke uh, left-back in Austrian international, uh, David Alaba. Um, now, Ancelotti has made his views clear to Madrid president uh, Florentino Perez uh, in terms of uh, what he believes to be uh, the best scenario for the club going into the new season. However... Ancelotti, as we know, Duncan is someone who uh, is very pragmatic. He's obviously had one spell at Madrid before under Perez. He knows that he will not be in control of transfers and therefore uh, telling uh, Perez what he needs and what he wants doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get it. But Varane, uh, obviously his representatives have been in negotiations for at least three weeks with Manchester United with regards to a move. Uh, which, of course, Edward Wood infamously tried to uh, instigate over a breakfast with Perez um, some time ago uh, on the third day before the transfer window closed and, of course, failed. Um, Perez is cautious and sceptical that um, Varane is holding out for a new deal at Madrid. And uh, there's also interest from another Premier League club, as you can reveal. Yes. Um, look, this is a brief I have from Real Madrid on Varane. We told you that Madrid had offered him an approved contract some time ago of €7 million Euros net, which Varane had said he would wait until after the European Championships to give them a decision on. Varane had been asking for €10 million Euros net, which was the same salary uh, that David Alaba got from Madrid to come to the club and he feels he is entitled to be on the same level. Um, 
The latest, I'm told, is that Varane has said to Florentino Perez that he wants to leave the club and that he wants to be allowed to discuss the offers from clubs such as Manchester United for his services this summer. Guidance I have from Madrid is that Florentino Perez wants to draw a line under this. Um, we said all along that they were Madrid were trying to work out what Varane's true intentions were. Was it to get secure that 10 million euro salary? Did he actually want to stay at Real Madrid? Did he want to be uh, the replacement for Sergio Ramos and his status there extended and, and have the ability to set further records in terms of uh, trophies won there? Uh, I'm not sure they've actually come to a conclusion on what he definitively wants, but my guidance is that Florentino Perez has had enough of the process uh, and is saying that he will not now provide Varane with a new contract um, and that he is now in the process of selling the player. Um, doesn't want to lose him for nothing in a year's time, obviously. That's the, the key is to avoid that scenario because finances are very important to Madrid as, as they are to most clubs around Europe and particularly to Spanish clubs who are tightly controlled by La Liga in terms of what they can spend on recruiting new players and on paying players and not allowed to take the kind of gambles that, that clubs in, in England, for example, can do. Um, the price I'm told that Madrid are now looking to sell him for or would be prepared to accept is 50 million euros, which is close to the number that Manchester United are briefing that they think they can get Varane for. Forty million pounds is the figure that's been coming out of Manchester United in the in the last few days, which is ironic given that the figure that Manchester United are um, briefing as an asking price for Jesse Lingard, a player that they barely used last season and laid uh, laid off to West Ham for the second half of the season, um, and uh, is hardly of the same status as Rafael Varane, is thirty million pounds. But anyway, that that is. You know, that's Manchester United's way in the transfer market. We've seen this in, in, on many occasions. What's more important is they now have a player that they're talking to um, whose options, if my brief from Madrid is correct, of re remaining at the club he's at, are um, rapidly diminishing. He would have to stay, run down his contract and risk the wrath of, of Perez in terms of uh, options to get game time. You'd have that discussion with Carlo Ancelotti and Perez of, of how he uses them. Um, so the, the player is available, but another bit of guidance I have is that there is competition for his services and one of the clubs who are exploring the possibility of, of doing a deal is Tottenham Hotspur. Now, that would initially seem extremely strange given the cost involved, um, particularly salary cost given Tottenham Hotspur's financial position, something Daniel Levy's talked about openly, um, the, the the massive hit they took because of um, naming rights late and opening and then being left empty of of supporters for the majority of its, its short existence. This is a stadium that cost over a billion pounds to build. However, take a step back and, and look at where Tottenham are New sports director. Managed director of football. Managing director of football, yes, thanks Ian. Um, new coach coming in. A squad that 
was in desperate need of a rebuild and has been in desperate need of a rebuild for probably a couple of seasons now. Certainly if you take the testimony of the last two managers, uh, needed substantial rebuild then and it hasn't been done. Um, they have their most valuable asset, Harry Kane, publicly asking to be allowed to leave the club, wanted by Manchester City, wanted by Manchester United, discussions with both of those clubs in play. Uh, Manchester City, I think the favourites to get him because that's Kane's preference uh, to move there. And again, something we've reported on the podcast for some time now and that now seems to be generally accepted, um, that City want to do both Harry Kane and Jack Grealish in the same summer, have made an offer worth £100 million to Tottenham already. Um, that offer is, as yet has not been accepted. But the question is, when you have a player like that wanting to leave, when you're in uh, need of a big rebuild, um, when you have a new sports director in who wants to put his mark on matters and is used to dealing aggressively in the market, Fabio Paratici did lots of big deals when he was at Juventus. Do you take the money for Harry Kane and do you re reinvest in areas of the team that need to be restructured? If you do, centre-back is an obvious place. Tottenham need to do something at centre-back. They have put Davinson Sanchez on the market for some time now. Um, Mourinho is prepared to let him go. You have Toby Alderweireld pushing to be allowed to leave this summer. Um, they need a solution in centre-back, whatever happens. Now, if Varane is on the market, you have the potential of a large influx of cash from Manchester City, most likely. And you can spend that and take on directly a rival in Manchester United for the signature of a, of a super talented player who would make a substantial difference to the defence. You can see why they'd be exploring that alongside a player like Jules Koundé, um, who is available from Sevilla, who Manchester United have made an informal offer of €45 million Euros for and had rejected, who also is a target for Real Madrid and has been uh, recommended to Florentino Perez as a replacement for Rafael Varane, who, might, if my information is correct, would prefer to move to Real Madrid over those clubs, but is open to a move this summer. Spurs are um, looking to set offload a number of players, Duncan, in order to fund uh, the refurbishment of a squad, which clearly uh, struggled in the last season uh, of the new manager in Nuno, who wants to uh, build his own team rather than take on a team which struggled uh, in the last 18 months. Um, also, uh, in the Premier League uh, across North London. Arsenal are in a very similar position. Um, unusual for both clubs uh, to be uh, effectively uh, not competitive uh, in the Premier League, never mind anywhere else. But that's the case in terms of which where they find themselves. Um, and in Arsenal's case, uh, they are making some progress on the uh, recruitment of Ben White, uh, who we have reported on on several occasions on the Transfer Window podcast, but also the sale of Hector Bellerin, again, a player that you flagged up as someone who they would look to cash in on. Uh, and interestingly, the recruitment of Ruben Neves from, from Wolves. Yes, um, my understanding is that 
Arsenal are more confident now than they've ever been that they will get a, a deal over the line for Ben White, um, which would suggest that they have got to the £50 million figure that Brighton have, have made um, demanded as a guaranteed fee for the England international from the start. Uh, that is a very important move for Mikel Arteta. He is driving this transfer, sees him as central to his plans, the right type of player, just not simply from a technical point of view, but also from a personality point of view. Someone who who could be a future captain for the club. So if they get that deal done, that's a big vote of confidence in in Arteta um, from a recruitment department that are under pressure themselves. Uh, We told you that Bayerin was... Uh, refusing to sign a new deal. He's got two years left at Arsenal. Arsenal want to uh, extract what value they can from the transfer market from him this summer. Uh, Inter need a new right back. Having sold Hakimi to um, Paris Saint-Germain for a remarkable fee for a right back of um, 70 million euros. Um, So there is some cash available at Inter to bring Bayerin out of Arsenal. And, uh, and give him a new experience elsewhere. Ruben Neves, again, a deal we flagged up to you, uh, I think a couple of months ago, that um, that Neves was of interest to Arsenal and that they'd done the preliminary work on trying to uh, recruit him from Wolverhampton Wanderers. There is competition, but he they see as a significant upgrade on the midfielders they have. Midfield is an area of the team that they need to reinforce. Um, they're trying to sell Granite Jacka to Roma. No agreement on a price as yet, um, but Jacka wants that move. They've lost Danny Sabalos um, returning to Real Madrid and Martin Udegaard also returning to Real Madrid after more success, it would have to be said. And I think they've been told that Udegaard, they have no chance of, of retaining and that he is um, an important figure for Madrid for the coming season. They're trying to fight off Aston Villa's attempts to to sign um, Emil Smith-Rowe from them. Uh, according to Arteta, there is not a question that uh, Smith-Rowe will be with them uh, next season. He says 100% he'll be there. Um, I think still quite a lot of work, a lot of work in terms of what Arteta wants in the market. But if they get white over the line, um, they can get Bayerin sold. And, and I think... More importantly, if they can get that Neves deal done, they will be uh, they'll be headed in the right direction in terms of setting up a team, a type of team that Arteta wants to put them back in contention at the right end of the division. Well, they're talking um, football, Duncan, in terms of amongst uh, other sport directors and chief executives in the Premier League, is that. Uh, Arsenal, uh, who have a lot invested in Arteta, obviously, but most of all, uh, Edu, the sport director, um, they have agreed to invest in his judgment in order that they uh, have the best possible chance of making progress and indeed uh, potentially restoring themselves into the top four should not uh, that be the case in terms of even challenging for the title itself but also um, elsewhere in major competitions. Um, That obviously is reflected in the amount of money they're willing to spend. Um, I think it's interesting generally that uh, I think, and you've mentioned this, we've 
believed that the transfer environment uh, landscape would be very different this summer, when in actual fact, even though fees have gone down in general by sort of 10%, um, actually the amount of money which is being banded around in terms of being uh, put out on players uh, does not seem to be uh, in any way uh, economically affected by the pandemic or indeed the closed closure of stadia and match the revenue. I think it depends where you're looking from. Uh, you ask people in France and Spain where they are and, and they're, they're struggling. There's just very little money available to the clubs. French have got massive debts in general, PSG being the, the exception to the rule because of their, their nation state funding. Um, and they're waiting to to move players on before they can then do anything. And they're very much focused on moving players on. The top Spanish clubs are trying to do significant deals in order to placate their supporters. But again, they have to shift players. Barcelona, I think we'll we'll talk about that in detail in a in a coming podcast. But they're they're trying an an incredible exercise to retain Lionel Messi, who they feel they have an agreement with now, um, but shift on uh, a load of players that they have on, on very high salaries. Atletico prepared to sacrifice Sal Niguez um, to uh, try and get their books in, in better order. Uh, they've done their big deal in Rodrigo de Paul um, and Madrid still focusing on trying to get the Mbappe deal done and and, and organising everything around that uh, potential transaction. If it turns out they can't do it this summer, then uh, then it will be interesting to see what Perez does with the resources available to him to give the supporters something this summer um, while keeping obviously money back to, to take Mbappe on a, on a transfer fee free deal but a very expensive deal in, in terms of salary and uh, and signing on fee etc and just a little interesting aside duncan i was speaking to one sport director yesterday uh, of a premier league club who said that um despite the fact that uefa's ffp rules have been relaxed in the light of the covid pandemic etc etc the um, premier league's ffp uh, rules have not been and clubs are actually operating under limited budgets in terms of what they can spend on wages and fees this summer. And therefore, the emergence of deals which include swaps, where obviously, as we know, fees can be artificially inflated uh, in order to make it look like uh, their books have been balanced, is going to be more of a feature of this particular window. So we go on to one of the sagas of the summer. We obviously have reported extensively and exclusively on Chelsea's pursuit of Erling Haaland from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, it has emerged in Germany in the last 24 hours that uh, Chelsea have offered one or two players uh, in a, a swap deal for Haaland plus cash and those two players are Tammy Abraham and Callum Hudson-Odoi 
uh, we reported, I think maybe six weeks ago, that Abraham would be one of those players that would be included in any potential deal for Haaland. Uh, it's also our understanding that uh, Abraham has had a conversation with Thomas Tuchel, Big Tam, as everyone likes to call him, uh, regarding his future at the club. Uh, and Tuchel has been less than reassuring with regards to his chances of game time over the coming season. That being the case, uh, obviously Abraham has a decision to make if he decides to leave the club, either be it in a transfer or on loan, um, and get game time because. Uh, he has played only twice in the Premier League since mid-February uh, and therefore clearly is not fancied by the uh, the German coach who, of course, won the Champions League in his first season, at, well, first half season at the club. Uh, that being the case, um, with Oliver Giroud uh, going to AC Milan, Chelsea have been left with just effectively one Stroke two, if you count uh, Batshuayi, uh, recognised number nines, neither of whom are fancied by Tuchel. And it's, again, uh, the case that when a manager tells you that it's up to you whether or not you want to stay and fight for your place or if you want to go, then you can go. That really actually means, well, you can go. Um So they are confident that Haaland will come in. We did report uh, some time ago that the wages for Haaland, which are very substantial, have been signed off by Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich and that it's now just a case of agreeing a fee with Dortmund. Dortmund playing hardball, but we've been here before with Jadon Sancho and Manchester United. Uh, they know what the situation is regarding his get-out clause, which kicks in next summer. And therefore, Chelsea are confident that they will be able to get this deal done because Dortmund do not want to lose the player and lose around 40 to 50 million euros in value as it stands. Duncan, Tammy Abraham to the Bundesliga. Good move, bad move. It's a fascinating offer that Chelsea have made there. Um, Abraham Hudson-Odoi to talented young English footballers. They know that Dortmund have a history of taking players from England and uh, Dortmund would be able to say to those players, look what's happened with Jadon Sancho, look what's happened with Jude Bellingham. This is a good place for you to go um, and and further your career with the, the idea that you go back to England in a few years' time um, and not have to argue with the manager over playing time. You, you go back as a as a first choice. They're a bit older than, than Dortmund usually recruit from England. Um, but you know, if you are losing Erling Haaland, Tammy Abraham as a replacement, he's not the same player. But uh, he's not he's not a completely different kind of player as well. So he's got potential, though, Duncan. And I know that that's an overused word in football, but. You know, he has shown that he can score goals and it might be that actually a move to a different league would benefit him and Dortmund. He's a goal scorer. He's not an efficient goal scorer. I think his biggest problem at Chelsea has been the number of chances he's he's failed to put away when expected to finish. And that's the area of the game that I, I would say he needs to 
develop is when you're playing for a top club like Chelsea um, as the number nine, you're expected to to take the chances you get, particularly in the most important games. You can't afford to to throw away too many opportunities. But young in his his career, um, however, that a requires Dortmund to want the player and b the player to be convinced that Dortmund's the right place to go to, and it, it does involve playing in a different country, living in a different country, probably learning. Um, another language and uh, it's whether the, the player wants to take that on. Um, Dortmund's position, this is interesting. They're not saying that while there's been reports that Haaland is not for sale, if you look at the, the briefs from Dortmund, it's it's not for sale unless we get a crazy offer, which is essentially um, as you've reported it throughout that Roman Abramovich and Tam Tuchel are driving this. Tuchel wants Haaland. Abramovich wants Haaland because he thinks he's getting the top striking talent um, outside Kylian Mbappe available in world football. Someone who's, who's prepared to come to Chelsea uh, and gives him the chance to win the Premier League again. Um, if you can do the deal now, then you do steal a march over your rivals. Uh, he is prepared to pay the massive agents' fees that uh, Mino Raiola and Haaland's father are looking for, and they are pre- sanction, prepared to sanction the, the wages, the huge €30 million Euro net wage that, that Haaland's been looking for. Um, so from Dortmund's point of view, it is that decision. How much can we get out of Chelsea as a transfer fee or transfer fee with players we are interested in? Or is it insufficient and do we leave it till next summer where we will get less than that for sure? Because there's a defined release clause next summer of substantially less than 100 million euros. Um, I think it's interesting that when Sancho left Dortmund, there was quite a lot of reporting around uh, the PSV and Netherlands striker Daniel Malin uh, as being the, the player who was going to come in as Sancho's replacement. Malin is also represented by Mino Raiola, um, but Malin actually has played most of his football as a centre forward. Uh, he's not the same physical type as Haaland, but he, he would strike me as more of a replacement for Haaland than he would for Jadon Sancho. He's a very different player from Jadon Sancho, for example. Talking to a transfer specialist about centre forwards going into this market, he had Malin very high on the list of uh, available young, talented centre forwards in this market. Again, that's the kind of thing that Dortmund are very good at picking and recruiting. Um, So what that looks like to me is that Although Dortmund are briefing that they won't sell Haaland unless the money is crazy, they're doing the preparatory work in case the money, the crazy money does come from Chelsea or another club. Uh, and Malin will be one option. Uh, and now they have Abraham offered to them as an alternative option. When you were speaking to this transfer, transfer specialist, um, were you looking in the mirror? <laughs> no. <laughs> The reason so, I ask some, that someone is who's is actually because, paid to uh, to scout and uh, the, the, 
and, and, and make yeah. these decisions, not somebody who just talks. Uh, I'm and just curious because the reason I, the reason I ask is because you're often named in um, some mainstream media as transfer specialist, Duncan Castles, uh, which I don't doubt that is the case. Obviously, because we know because of the uh, stories you bring to the transfer the podcast, so it was just a, a little bit of fun. Um, I prefer to speak to the real experts. Okay. Well, you're talking to one now. Uh, you often, all of you guys on the transfer window community, ask us about what's going on below the top four, top six, which, of course, we try to bring you as much as we can. One very intriguing story, which we can bring you on this particular episode, is that uh, since Patrick Vieira joined Crystal Palace, uh, he has... Um, approached, let's just say, and had casual conversation with his former Arsenal and France teammate Thierry Henry, who is expected to leave the Belgium uh, backroom staff, having, again, gone in there just as uh, a temporary measure during the Euros with Roberto Martinez um, and potentially could be asked to take up a role at Selhurst Park. Henri, of course, has been a coach, a head coach in his own right, uh, both in France and in the MLS. Um, but the idea of a link-up with Vieira in the Premier League, we would think would be something that he would be tempted by. However, nothing has been agreed. Duncan, um, I want to ask you, because you are, have become something of a specialist uh, given your Portuguese contacts at Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, what's going on now that they've moved on from Nino um, in terms of transfers? Well, as we uh, we flagged up to you from the very start, it, the Wolves are having to be creative in this market, shifting players on, raising money from transfers and, and getting younger, more players that they feel they can develop into both successful players in the Premier League under their new manager, Bruno Lage, but also as players that they will sell for, for profit down the line. Um, they came eventually to an agreement with Roma for this, the sale of Rui Patricio this week uh, for a fee of 11.5 million euros plus performance-related variables based on what Patricio does at Roma, but also what Roma do under Jose Mourinho or, or while Rui Patricio's at the club. Um, Rui Patricio, current Portuguese national team keeper, 33 years of age. Wolves have immediately switched him for Jose Sa, um, as we reported they would do and intended to do. The Olympiacos goalkeeper who has been part of the Portuguese national squad in recent years. Um, yet to play for the full national team, but considered a, a likely Portugal number one in the future. They paid 7.3 million euros to secure Sa, who spent three years in, in Greece and won the Greek title twice during that period. They made a very, I think, astute move to take Trincaun from Barcelona uh, a big money signing for Barcelona recently, who uh, I think if you talk to Graham Hunter, he'll, he'll tell you that he liked what Trincaun did at Barcelona and sees his qualities as a player. Um, but Barcelona in that uh, desperate chase they have to um, take money off their, their wage bill this summer have allowed Trincaun to go to Wolves on loan with Wolves holding an option to buy at the end of the season. I think that could prove to be 
uh, an astute deal on their part. Um, Roma, Mourinho finally gets the goalkeeper he's been looking for, but still has a, a huge amount of work to do in the transfer market and, and very limited uh, money and resources to play with. Uh, I think we've talked in previous podcasts about the tensions that have developed with the freaking family um, over uh, over recruitment there. I think that that's been assuaged to a degree with Rui Patricio coming in, but uh, only to a degree. Mourinho needs a left back, uh, having had his uh, his first choice left back, uh, Spinozola, um, rupture his Achilles tendon during the European Championship. There is an interest in Alex Tellish at Manchester United. Uh, Mourinho likes the player uh, and would take him if a deal could be agreed. But um, the guidance I have on that is that Tellish is, is significantly beyond the budget that um, Roma are allowing Mourinho for a, a left back. Uh, you're looking more maximum of a 15 million euro transfer fee and wages of about one and a half million euros net, um, which is way beyond uh, the 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 kind of figures that Manchester United would request for a player that they only signed uh, last summer, even though he's been uh, mainly a backup to Luke Shaw for the majority of last season. I'm sure Luke Shaw is dialing Josie's number as we speak to offer himself um, in that position, given his love of the great Portuguese coach. It is the uh, second podcast in the transfer window of this week, which means, of course, it's time for the Donkey Award. And uh, today we have a very special one, one that's uh, a person who has featured before, but uh, in this particular instance, uh, perhaps will feel a little embarrassed about his nomination in term. well, the nomination of the award in his name. And if you haven't seen Gary Neville pull his hamstring in a challenge of a 100 metres sprint between himself and Dina Asher-Smith, the Team GB Olympian, then please do Google it or just do whatever you like and get on there and have a look at it. Because this is the Gary Neville Self-Inflicted Injury Award. I'm just going to open the golden envelope, Duncan. And there we go. Of course, this is a football orientated award. So we will be nominating three different footballers. Um, first one is Santiago Canizares going back to 2002 World Cup. Uh, the Spain goalkeeper, um, famously or infamously, depending on how you feel about it, dropped a bottle of aftershave on his foot, which meant he missed the entire tournament. Uh, That definitely, definitely qualifies as a self-inflicted injury. Um, After that, I think this is my particular favourite, Duncan, which is Darius Vassell, that very famous England international. In the Euro 2004 quarter final, when you replaced Wayne Rooney, when he went off injured, rather ineffectively, it has to be said. Uh, However, he did, on occasion, become slightly more eccentric, let's just say, with regards to his dealings with um, home medication. And apparently he drilled his own toenail uh, after a swollen foot, causing a very bad infection 
missing several games as a result. Clearly didn't call the physio first. And uh, lastly, David James, one of our all-time favourites, very calamity, as he was known, uh, who uh, pulled a muscle in his back when he was reaching for a TV remote control. So the Gary Neville self-inflicted injury award at Duncan uh, goes to? I, I think it has to be Darius Vassell, doesn't it? <laughs> swollen, swollen toe. Let's get the home power drill up and uh, and drill a hole in my in my own toe in order to to fix it. Yeah, that one's quite special, and, and I think worthy worthy of the award uh, that is well named after our our great friend Gary Neville. Certainly, the first thing I ever think of when I've got a swollen toe get the, get the power <laughs> drill out, you know, and just start operating on yourself. Um, <laughs> So this has been uh, the Transfer Window podcast for this week. Uh, please uh, contact us via our social media platforms at Transfer Podcast on uh, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Duncan is at Duncan Castles on Twitter. I'm at GarboSJ. You can listen via YouTube. If you've got the time and inclination, please Log on iTunes, give us a five-star review. It increases the community and we can all get together again next week. Until then, uh, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 